0: what's up everyone my name is chris marshall with my boy frank g we are the hosts of build Your empire podcast frank g tell the people what we do
1: what's going on everybody chris and i we discuss established empires while showcasing us building ours
0: frank g you know what we love
1: what do we love
0: we love having guests on the show vincent enfante thank you so much coming on vincent's a life coach entrepreneur uh overall just a a good dude i know him uh, quite a lot wow um vin welcome to the show Thanks, family guys. I
2: appreciate being here.
0: Uh, we appreciate you and your time. Uh, anyone who comes on a, our show, we definitely appreciate and value their sure. time. Um, Vin, you know, we're gonna start the show off pretty much how we always do. Tell us about yourself. Give us a little origin on who Vincent is.
2: All right, I will definitely try to keep it short. So <laughs> it's a pretty time. long, pretty long history, man. I I grew up uh, getting bullied. I grew up as a victim. I grew up thinking that life was always happening to me not for me and I struggled a lot so I always had kind of this victim mentality growing up that I had to essentially learn how to get out of you know seeing a lot of therapists being diagnosed with anxiety depression uh therapists wanted to put me on meds told him absolutely not and that's the pg version and Uh as I went through this life I had also always had one thing in mind and that was helping others so as, as I was going through all of this, I became a personal trainer. I went to school to get my master's and practice psychotherapy. Then after trying out all different types of locations and settings, I worked in inpatient, outpatient, hospitals, clinics, Department of Education, homeless shelters, and settled in private practice. After that, I got called. I became a firefighter for the FDNY during Corona, during the pandemic and the riots and at that time, I also started my life coaching career. So basically, I'm 30 now. And in the past seven years, I've had three different careers. And uh, eventually, I grew my practice, my, my coaching clientele, to a point where I could leave the FDNY, do it full time. And here I sit today.
0: It's actually a great story, Ben. Um, there's so much detail and so much to get into with just that that minute you spoke, Um I'm curious on the life coaching and that as a business, but also I'm curious on, you know, you went through being bullied and and so did I, I think many of us have to ultimately go into psychology and understand those feelings. Um, Did you see any correlation between how you felt, you know, as a younger kid to then growing up and kind of seeing it play out now? Oh, for sure.
2: I mean, I think one of the biggest parts of it is as a kid, you don't really understand why it's happening. You just know Mm -hmm. it's happening to you and you know, it sucks. I had issues at home. I think we probably all did, right? Nobody had a perfect family. I had a few issues with my brother. He was causing some, some trouble in the house. Not really going to get into detail. um, It's not my story to tell, but it affected me in a certain way with that at home being bullied at school. That was one of the biggest things that drove me to be depressed, anxious, suicidal, uh, get myself sick at times with my high levels of anxiety. From there, you know, I I immersed myself in this virtual world. And the only thing I knew is I wanted to escape. I didn't know why I was in so much pain or how to fix it or how to do anything about it. As I started getting older and I started learning about psychology and I started learning about like, well, one, hurt people hurt people. So Mm -hmm. anything anyone does to you is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection Mm -hmm. of them. And then the other part of it is that you can actually control everything in your life. And what I mean by that is we can control only three things, but those three things are constant in every part of life. That is your emotion, your thought process, and your action. So as a kid getting bullied, I had zero control. I thought everything was happening to me. I couldn't control my emotion. I gave that power to the bully. I couldn't control my thoughts. I gave that to everybody who said something negative to me. And I couldn't control my actions because of the fact that I didn't want to be responsible for the other two and so i would lash out at people my my helplessness put me in a state of anger as i got older and i delve into this and i've self-invested and got my own coaches and done all these things i've learned that that's really the biggest key is that as a kid i was helpless but as an adult i have full control over everything in my life
1: yeah when you're i mean when you're a kid in those situations you kind of it it feels unfair i mean I've, i've been through it as well um i've been bullied you know um but I kind of had a, you know, I had a solid group of friends to help me get through it. So, But I am curious. So you said you went to therapy yourself. Um, is that what motivated you to go through psychotherapy and get your degree?
2: No, actually, my, my therapy experience was awful.
1: Um, oh, I, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> As in, like, from that experience, you typically wouldn't recommend therapy.
2: I I I went through six years of college, got a license and became mm. a therapist. And I still don't recommend therapy. <laughs> So, Vin,
1: in, what, in what sense?
0: That's fascinating because Frank G and I discussed this topic, and I am not exactly for therapy, but if it helps people, great, go for it. But I had a similar experience where you did when I was a kid. I had a, a bad experience, and I'm just like, you know what? I'd rather talk to Frank G than the therapist.
1: <laughs> I'll here it for you, guy. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I don't recommend
2: therapy for most people. I would still recommend therapy for people that are severely mentally ill for people that are on medication management. It's therapy. Think about it like this. Therapy is maintenance. Mm -hmm. Most people go to therapy and listen, anyone is more than welcome to reach out and comment on this. Even can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. But most people from my experience of being a therapist in every setting is that people come to therapy for maintenance. They want to be there to vent about their problems they're not really looking to create drastic change in their life. If you continue to sit there and talk about a problem, nothing changes. Literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything comes down to action. So you could sit there and you can complain every day about how somebody's treating you unfairly or you're anxious or life sucks or whatever, whatever the issue is that you're dealing with. When you're doing that though, you're actually reprogramming yourself. And, and this touches a little bit into neurology. We have there's this fun little saying, it's called as your body moves, your brain grooves. Neurology is our, it's our computer. The thoughts, the behaviors, everything we do is our programming. If you have a crappy program, your computer is going to suck, right? Just like with a regular computer. With that being said, we start to anchor emotions into us. People don't realize therapy really hits one aspect. It just hits the mental. It hits the left side of the brain, which is responsible for your logic and and the things you think about rationally and talk about.
1: So that can help like a mindset. Exactly hundred
2: percent, okay. but to actually make real change, you need to enact both parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. The right side is responsible for vision. It's respons- responsible for visualization. And it's responsible for, in a sense, seeing things that have never happened and feeling them in a different way. We don't ever touch upon that in therapy. It just doesn't happen. We sit there and we rationalize problems. Clients come to me all the time. who have been in therapy for 10 years, but they still mm-hmm. struggle with the same emotion and the same pain.
1: Is it because they just need someone to talk to or like they don't have friends maybe?
2: I think it's because of the fact that people don't know there's something else out there. Life coaching Mm -hmm. is still a really, really new field. It's realistically only been around since what, maybe the 1970s since it started actually gaining some traction?
0: It got trendy over the past decade. And there's a lot of stigma to that, which I I hope we get into. But before we move on topics, Vin, I just want to ask you this because you know my demographic – a lot of it are younger kids who, who may be bullied and, and have these same exact feelings we're, we're discussing. Um, one, it's interesting because today's generation with the digital era and cell phones, being bullied in school is drastically different than when we were kids. Sure. And second, it's hard to you know have these conversations with kids because to me, the answer ultimately is time. Because the answer to me a lot of the times is perspective. And when you're a kid and you're in the moment, you don't have the perspective, which is the wisdom and education to get yourself out of these situations, which you said kind of comes from the mind and be a mindfulness and have a, a steady uh you know mind state. Hmm. Right. I
2: would agree with that. I think there's one other piece of it, like you said though, is because of the way that they're growing up. I think the big part of it too is that they don't know how not to put emphasis on certain things, right? Like this new generation, everybody is very digitally inclined. How many likes did I get on my photo? Somebody unfollowed me. Oh my God, they must hate me. Like Mm. that wasn't a thing we ever thought about, but it's also still consciously, it's a choice. You don't have to put that much emphasis on social media. Somebody's bullying you. You could block them. If, If you're getting bullied by multiple people, maybe get off the platform. Like, do you really need it? And people will say, well, that's not fair. Why should I have to get off? It's not that you should have to, but it's about taking control of what you can and creating peace for yourself. You don't have to get off social media, but you also can't expect that people are going to stop bothering you or bullying you or whatever the situation.
1: You need you need to find a solution and, and you need to embrace the change. But to be honest, as a kid, I could see that, being a thing they wouldn't want to do because everybody's on social Their friends media. have
0: it my nephews e- go through
1: everybody's talking you know i mean everybody's liking each other's pics did you see what this and, and that so i feel like maybe they think they're out of the loop and then they kind of just go through the you know the phases i mean i've been bullied but like and i would just not go down maybe a corridor at fifth period <laughs> you know it's not yeah, like i can yeah. go on social media and be like oh i he took a picture of me eating this like an idiot
0: And then it gets shared and and you never know what could happen. So, Vin, I guess the question for you is Mm -hmm. for, you know, the kids who are listening. um, What advice would you give them in this modern day to help cope? Sure. I think one big thing is taking
2: taking the power out of a statement, a word, whatever the situation. Right. One of the biggest reasons people get caught up getting made fun of is because they let people see that it bothers them. Mm-hmm. i knew this kid he's actually he's a friend of mine now and it's very funny because the first day i met him i was like hey what's up man my name is vin he's like hey i'm fatty i'm like what <laughs> did i hear that right i said to him again i said
1: what's your name he said yeah it's fatty i'm like well, okay bro sure Didn't i refuse to <laughs> call him that <laughs> right that's a name given by his friends and he accepts it
0: it's almost so- like the eight mile effect
1: yeah, correct. But it's funny, right? Because he's,
2: what is he? At the time I met him, he was like 34. This name was formed in high school. And so I asked one of his friends, I was like, dude, I just met this kid. He told me his name is Fatty. He's like, yeah, that's his name. I was like, it can't be his name. <laughs> he's like, well, obviously it's not, but that's what he calls himself. And eventually I talked to him and I got the origin of it. And he's like, you know, man, I was fat. I've always been fat my whole life. People make fun of me. I figured, fuck it. I'm just going to start introducing myself as Fatty. So now, nobody can make fun of me. It doesn't bother me. I've embraced it. And yeah, that's an interesting concept right there.
0: I mean, I had the complete opposite. You know, I called myself greatness until Frank humbled me down. I switched it over to fuzzy because <laughs> I'm typical fake. <laughs> but uh, so, like, it, I mean, I, I can get it. Different perspectives, different opposite, opposite yeah. spectrums there. Um, ben, let me ask you this and, and kind of switch the conversation over. Um, the life Coast coaching industry. It's certainly an interesting one uh, and it became trendy and, you know, over the years, it certainly got saturated on who's legitimate, who's mm-hmm. not. Um, I'm just curious on how you personally find clientele and how you market yourself and, you know, kind of get into that and the business aspect.
2: Sure. So you're definitely right. It's very trendy. It's kind of a little scary as I've learned about really what it takes to become a life coach, you yourself could become a coach. They have a $20 certification course. All you could do is keep guessing the answers on the test until Mm -hmm. it says you passed. So if you're interested, you could become a coach too. And that's one of the biggest things because the field's unregulated. I've built it in a sense where for me, getting clients comes a lot out of referrals. I also, when I was making the big leap to leave the fire department and leave my full-time career, I always held this lesson and the saying in my mind called "proximity is power." So I started getting involved in all sorts of networking groups. I started going out there and really putting my intention out, talking to friends, talking to family, old coworkers, and joining these new networking groups with business owners and you know other CEOs and executives, and uh, speaking groups, and just really investing in myself, getting my own coaches, my own networks to belong to, mastermind groups. Getting yourself out there is paramount to success. I have spent 100%. zero, my bad. I've spent zero dollars on marketing, zero dollars, but I've spent a lot of money on joining groups and masterminds time. and
0: all
1: things. You're investing your time in learning and meeting new people, networking pretty much, like you said. Correct. What made you? Um... Cause I, you said you were in private practice, joined the FDNY. I'm very curious what made you leave that practice to do a city job. And then, I mean, good for you. You, you left for a reason. So you, you found something more passionate about it. So I'm just curious about that.
0: Yeah. And ben, before you answer that, I also want to ask, were you not truly passionate of the city job? Cause that's a big factor as well. You know, especially us. Well, all three of us were from Staten Island. So, you know, we're almost conditioned to take that job. So what was that a factor or not? Floor George. yours.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, Staten Island, right? We got that meme, like we union, baby, right? We do yeah. you do for? <laughs> yeah. <Man laughs> Frank of business. So, you... um, so I, that was actually my second city job. Cause I, I worked for the DOE uh, as a, as a school social worker. So I've left both of them as a kid. I always told everyone I would be a psychotherapist and I would be a firefighter. Literally, probably when I was age five, I've always wanted
1: both. Sounds like you reached some aspect of those goals.
0: Y- you could have done both if you played that differently, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did. I did both. I
2: just that is found true. either of them before me. Uh huh. Right. Three three careers in seven
0: years, guys.
1: <laughs> so what Dang, was so the so then? What was enticing about the city job, FDNY? Why'd you why'd you take it?
0: And what was enticing I mean, to leave it?
2: Yeah, it it was a childhood dream, right? Everybody mm. wants to be a badass.
1: There's, I'll say it
2: right here, right now, the job is cool as hell. You will mm. never be more badass than running into a fire. It was mm-hmm. the greatest feeling ever. I I I would still do it. Honestly. Not the scariest feeling. No, it was, it was it was oh man, the anxiety. I mean, not anxiety. The adrenaline you get when you're like, all right, boys, this is it. This is what we've been training for. Uh-huh. It's. It's crazy. It's a rush. Like we're going in there, and also that's the job, right? You you don't really get the moment to be afraid. You know, mm-hmm. we're conditioned in the fire academy. The fire academies run like a military organization. It's like boot camp. Yeah, you're yeah. there every day from four a.m. to six seven p.m. If the drill instructors feel like it, and you know you do this five days a week, and you're just burning five thousand calories
0: a day. You are trained for this. It it is a it is a skill you're learning to just nothing. Which which is interesting, Vin, because real quick before I, I give the, the mic back, I personally did not take the test because I had an opposite thought process where if 9-11 was to happen again and I'm a firefighter, I'm gonna probably go home. I just don't have the balls and I'm too pussy to go in that building. I I, I just I'm just gonna call it what it is. I don't I don't wanna do that. So who am I to take a job from someone who will?
1: Mm. You may be giving it to a job of someone who is from same state. as me,
0: but wanted a paycheck.
1: It just wanted that the paycheck, maybe the benefits, and I mean, you know, you hear it is a brotherhood, but obviously there is a big danger that comes
0: with that. Um, I think Vin though is right in the sense they do train you from a, a mindful mind yeah, it, it's crazy. It is a boot camp.
1: Yeah,
2: they they beat the hell out of you.
1: <laughs> there's no there's no getting around it. So was it I, hard, was it hard for you? Or were you already in
2: shape? Uh, it was still hard for me, man. Yeah. I mean, they have you, they have you, everybody, everybody's coming out of the fire academy with minor injuries. Like mm-hmm. you're just your body is just so beaten up and overworked every, every other day you're doing PT every mm-hmm. day. You're doing evolutions. You're doing all types of different trainings. You know, every week you have a test on like two to three chapters of, of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just intensive. You have no time to do anything else. And that's five days out of the week. And on Saturdays and Sundays for me, I was building my coaching practice.
1: So, which ultimately picked up and something you decided to leave the FDNY and pursue.
0: Correct. Now, Vin, did you notice that, you know, within the Union City jobs, there is that brotherhood. It's almost like a fraternity, which it becomes interesting because that becomes your life. You become interested in everything they're interested, which, you know, typically is similar interests hunting, fishing, things like that. Or you have, you know, the corporate world, which I think is also evolving and innovating, especially uh, via internet. Um, It's two different lifestyles. Did you figure like, I just don't want to be in that frat type environment? Or was that 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 just didn't matter?
2: I mean, the frat type environment was never for me. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the kind of guy that if you're inviting me out, I'm going to say no. And not because of the fact that I don't like you, just because of the fact that I don't like going out. It's not for me. I don't care about it. I don't need to go drink. I don't want to go drink. I don't want to waste time at a softball game. I don't want to go play tag football. These aren't the things that interest me. They've never been. And I can't, I shouldn't say I can't get myself to like them. I have no desire. I don't think there's a point to them. I'm busy learning, investing in myself, going to seminars. And I don't think I'm better than other people for doing that.
0: It's two different lifestyles.
2: Yeah. It's what I'm interested in. It's what I want to do. And that's also not received very well by certain people because it's against the grain. It's what you don't want to be a part of us. Mm.
0: Yes. And I, I always felt that those two perspectives clash. And I also feel where we live in Staten Island, people will look at that in a different type of way.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would always say one of the, one of the biggest things is like, listen, when I was in the fire department, my job was my job. Like I was there. If a fire happened, I would go. If I was called to EMS, I would go. I wouldn't think twice about it. If I had to save somebody from a building, luckily, I was never put in that situation. If the building was collapsing or whatever, I would do it.
0: I wouldn't even think twice. It wouldn't even yeah. be like, oh, maybe I'll die. You're just going to pass on the company softball game, which I am with. I work for a company now. I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> right. they, don't, they don't even offer it to me, so. and to be honest i'd probably play
0: you probably would i think (laughs) i think you actually may like that environment but i just feel like in some weird way it becomes like mind control and then you you know next thing you know you're hunted
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you're picking up on hobbies of people that you are practically living in a house with so yeah
0: it it only makes sense it only makes sense um now vin talk to us about your clients and the feelings that you have, you know, actually helping them achieve them and seeing the progress and, uh, overall working with them. Like, you know, how long is, is typically a client yours, right? How long are you servicing that client? What's the average length of that? I, I can't actually tell you that. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I have my typical
2: client, is somebody who is in a high position of power high stress i have ceos coos directors managers and then i have everyday people who just really want more out of life you know it's it's a wide array but i would say the constant or the consistent theme my clients all share is that they're very deep believers in self improvement they see the value of self investment like if you tell them hey the program is this, it costs this. They're not like, oh, could you do better? They're like, all right, when can we start? How can I figure out the payment plan or whatever? And so it's people that are very driven and see the value. The length of time, I have some clients that have been with me for three plus years, literally since I was a psychotherapist. I have clients who sometimes they come, we fix their problems in like a month or two months, and then they're done. It's up to the people, right? Like, what do you want to get out of it? Um I think the bigger thing with life coaching is we do resolve issues quicker, but there's always something to build on. Like anyone who sits there and says, I figured it all out. They're not the guy for this. They're not the, they're not the person for coaching. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. That's never the case for anything really. Right. You can, there's always room to grow. Right. Do you um, use or integrate psychotherapy into life coaching? A little bit.
2: I've actually created a, when I go to take on a new client, I've created my own homework assignment, which I'm very proud of, but this homework assignment is essentially a cross between what I learned as a psychotherapist doing psychosocials, which is basically a comprehensive history of people's past. However, as I was doing those, I found some of this stuff was useless. Mm. And then I learned about becoming a life coach and just coming up with like a goal orientation sheet for people to where are they and where do they want to be? But I found that that's lacking because a lot of the times people can't reach their goals because of the fact that they're stuck on things from the past, not because of their present. So I actually combined, I found out a way, I was like, how do I make it so I'm not dealing with the bull crap from psychosocials and that there's you know more depth than just what's your goal? So I, I created this own this homework assignment that before I start working with people, I have them in depth evaluate themselves. And then in our first session, I go through their past, present, and future and we just rip it all apart. And I combine both to really give people a holistic view.
0: So Vin, this is, it, it's kind of fascinating. Um, when you speak to life coaches, you're obviously kind of evaluating their credibility. And you know, to, to be completely blunt, you're extremely well-spoken and knowledgeable um, on a, a plethora of topics. And you know, to be 30 years old and in the position of a life coach, I think there is validity to that, right? Um, does it frustrate you when you see your colleagues who don't have that, who are not as passionate and see it as a monetization tool?
2: It frustrates me when people people just wake up one day and they're like, I want to be a life coach. I think that anyone could be virtually qualified at anything they want in life, especially with the abundance of resources we have been given. I mean, if you think about it, right? Google provides you with a database to learn anything you want in this world. Mastery is really just learning about something and practicing it daily. That's all mastery is. It's a Mm. practice. If you were to sit there and self-study for 10,000 hours about psychotherapy and mindset and behavior, I would trust you to be an amazing life coach, whether you went to school for it or not. I've dedicated my whole life to it, right? So what I would say to really answer your question is like, if people haven't mastered it or people aren't trying to, I still invest daily. This year alone, I've spent almost $30,000 on seminars and self-education this year alone. And that's to improve my ability to help my clients. But I'm also taking it extremely seriously because these are people's lives. You're coming to me, you're paying to hopefully be taught skills and tools to increase the quality of your life. If you're going to somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing, they're stealing your money. They're stealing your money. And they are not going to teach you how to improve your life, and that's that's the worst thing you could do to someone. Give them hope and not give them shit for it. That's the worst. I take Facts. this very seriously.
0: I see that. I can tell. Uh, yeah, you, absolutely, man. I mean, it, I'm certainly glad you came on the show. Um, but I, I can see that, especially how you seem to formulate and, of course, articulate yourself where you do have you know measurements and exercises for your clients, and actually want to see the you know the progress. Um. I always questioned when someone said they're a life coach, at least online, I'm like, huh?
1: You paid $20 for a a license.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like Vin said, technically I can get that license, become a life coach, but when your heart's not in the right place, I mean, it's kind of unethical sales.
1: Well, in that sense, I think over time you will see, you know, who drops off, who fails, who isn't credible, um, who doesn't get, you know, reviews. And, I think it's kind of like therapy, right? You do need to probably talk to a couple people. You do need to kind of choose who messaged with you and who is in line with your, you know, goals.
0: Which I think the consumers do that, and I'm sure Vin knows. He's probably competing with three other life coaches, which was going to segue into my next question here. Um, Vin Frank and I are, I would say, close to being elite salespeople. It's what I, it's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, amongst many other things, but. our core is sales and the way you speak seems like one you certainly put effort and time into kind of getting that right your communication skills and then secondly is do you see yourself as a salesperson because it sounds like you also are in your own craft
2: yeah i'm i am but i'm not you have to sell yourself
1: (laughs) you have to sell your uh, success right
2: Yeah. I mean, to a degree, right? Like I, I suck at sales because I'm not pushing, you know, I have hired business coaches. I think probably at this point in my life, Mm -hmm. again, not trying to throw out numbers to impress people, but I think at this point in my life, I probably invested about 20, $25,000 into business coaches. And they all kind of say the same thing, right? You know, they teach you how to do sales and hit the pain points. So people buy from you, you know, you're, you're selling a solution to their pain. I've never, I've never been like that. People are like, oh, Mm. I don't know. I got to go talk to my husband or I don't know if I want to commit. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, no worries.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
2: and so I know I don't make the kind of money I could. I know I'm not closing at the rate I could. I also don't really care because that's not why I do what I do. The first thing I plan to do when I need an employee is to hire a sales guy. Let them do that. That's not me. I'm, you know, there's these different people in business. I'm the artist. I just mm-hmm. care about my craft. I love helping people and and I'll talk about my passion. So when I get on a call with someone, I'm just selling them on essentially my knowledge and my love for it. And people either fall in love with me or they don't.
1: You well, know, that's I'll what's going to gonna get you. That's what's going to get your uh, point across them. Them experiencing the passion that you have that we're hearing. Uh, I mean, it's certainly going to increase someone, you know, kind of taking the chance on you. you yeah, know, that's. It's kind of selling without you knowing that you're selling. You just have the knowledge to sell it without thinking about it.
0: Similar to Artin, um, you know, a lot of people we have on the show, when we take a a more in-depth look, I feel like everyone's a damn salesperson. But I don't know if that's just because that's my perception because Mm -hmm. I am.
1: Because a lot of people are like,
0: I am not a salesperson. And I'm out here like you're selling right now.
1: Well, because I think because we're specifically in sales that we're, we think of all situations as
0: a damn sale,
1: a kind of like a sale, even when it's not for a monetary value or if it's, you know, anything like that. It's just everything. Everything is kind of a sale. I mean, it it does make sense. I mean, not that you're convincing, but like you're giving your point of view and trying to, I guess, have someone jump on your If ship. I'm
0: trying to have a date, I'm selling myself yeah. on why I need this date over yeah. here.
1: Have you, uh, have you ever... Was there life coaching involved with dating? Do you deal with that at all? Well, like helping somebody to be yeah. better at dating. Yeah.
2: Oh, I could. It's it's everything in life just comes down to communication. If you don't mm-hmm. know how to communicate, you can't date, you can't have a friendship, you can't do
0: anything. So, so it, yeah. It's all so,
1: so what is the most common area of someone's life that you assist?
0: Great question.
1: I mean, I'm mostly I market
2: myself as a mindset slash performance coach, right? Okay. And I help people look at things in a way that they never thought. There's a great quote by Albert Einstein that I absolutely love and pretty much tell all my clients. And it says, the level of thinking that created the problem is not the one that could solve it. I loosely translated that. That's not mm-hmm. fully it. But the, that's the reality. All of our problems in life are us. Imagine this for a second. Now I, I want you to, to be very open to this, to this um, thought. The reality of life is not that we're living it. The reality of life is that we're actually perceiving it. Life, if we were living it, would have a certain reality, i.e. everything that happens is black and white. We would all experience and feel the exact same thing because it's factual and we're living it. However, the idea that we're perceiving life means that we can all go through a very similar, if not the exact same experience, and see it and feel it and experience it differently because of perception, because we observe things, we don't live them. With that being said, Mindset is key. You will get out of life exactly the way you view it. Whether you view it as crap or great, you will have either.
1: This is just a gut feeling, but and maybe because we've had authors on the show, but I feel like one day you're gonna write a book.
2: Totally. I, I mean, I would love to.
1: <laughs> Has that ever crossed your mind yet? Or not not something not, you know, seriously? No, a hundred percent.
2: I I uh, I have tried to start a book probably Every year for the past three years, I just I mm-hmm. can't get myself organized enough to put the pen to paper. My thing is maybe when I have fifty thousand laying around, I could hire a good ghostwriter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, every author we've interviewed seemed to have a similar uh, answer in the fact that the first few chapters are the hardest to write, and then it gets free flowing from there. And it all they all seem to take anywhere from a year to 3 years yeah. to actually create the book
1: usually longer than what they expected from what we've gained but i, I mean i think they embrace that you know that it's your first book you're not going to you don't know what's coming from this
0: now vin I must say, you've been a phenomenal guest. We thank you so much for your time. The time is running down. For any listeners who do have any type of problems or need life coaching in any regard, how could they contact you if they want to give you a shout and talk to you and kind of, you know, you help or have you help them assess them?
2: Sure. So they could find me on my website. It's www.vincentinfanti.life. Or they could go to my Instagram. It's atypical underscore life underscore coach. And, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn as Vincent Infante. I'm pretty much around everywhere.
0: Vin, it's a pleasure to catch up. I'm glad life is, uh, you know, treating you well. Uh, Are you happy, my friend? I am extremely ecstatic about life
1: that's beautiful man good god bless
0: god bless Vin, we will be in touch uh can't wait to kind of share this episode to the world and uh vin thank you so much again for your time my friend
1: thank you guys i appreciate it we appreciate you vin and we appreciate everybody listening and we'll catch you next week rocking with the best peace and love (laughs)